Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Is is this the, the passing of the torch, right? Is this what this signifies? It comes down to that, that front office and what they feel is most important. The champ is here. We've touched down from a higher plane. Why you landed here? We always look forward to that week because it was always intense. You know that we ain't coming back. We got to the man, the myth, the legend, Dante Hall. My 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 favorite player growing up was Dante Hall. I love you guys in the show, but Dante was my guy. Get to dashing because he's done on the war feet. Hey there, Marcus Dash here from Chief Concerns. Just want to comment and say Bet Online is your number one source for all your sports betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for football, baseball, boxing, golf, and much more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Chief Concerns. I'm Marcus Dash here with legendary Chiefs tight end Jason Dunn, straight from back from Kansas City. He's got his new, new, uh, new baseball cap there, Chief Concerns cap. I love that. JD, you were there to see Dante um, get uh, put in the ring of honor. Finally, we talked about it a little bit on our Monday grade show. But how was Kansas City? How was Dante? How was some of the the the, uh, the old heads? Uh, I tell you what, man, everybody was beautiful. It's always good to come back and and see everybody, see how everybody's doing. It's one thing to kind of talk to people on the phone, you know, and text them, but to actually put your arms around them and conversation and hear their voice. And see him face to face is always a beautiful thing. And so, uh, you know, we took the opportunity, man, to just enjoy and bask in this celebration with Dante and his uh, his whole induction. Uh, Dante did an incredible job up there speaking uh, just about the Hunt family, uh, his teammates, the coaches, uh, you know, obviously his family, his mother being a perennial part of his of his life. Uh, getting to where he was. And it was beautiful to kind of see from his perspective how he's seen things coming up. And so mm-hmm. incredibly talented. Um, one of the best ever. Uh, Dante Hall, man. It was it, it was a beautiful, beautiful sight. And so all the uh, uh, supposed old heads or, you know, guys, and, you know, kind of young guys, because, you know, it was some guys that that, um, that I had just missed or a lot of guys. That, uh, so in my era, some of the young guys, when I was seeing them, uh, like Dwayne Bow, Tom Bali, Derek Johnson, uh, Jamal Charles, all those guys who was the young bucks coming in when I was, you know, when I was parting my ways out, man, it was always good to see them, man. Cause y'all, you still look at them in the perspective of young guys, right? Yeah. And I, you know, they was kind of talking to the to the kids about it. So it was beautiful. Uh, it, was, it was a good time, man. Good time. Yeah, I, I've seen some of the um, I guess uh the speech that he gave, like the I don't know where it was. It was kind of like a looked like a little forum that he had. It was probably the night before the game where he thought they gave a speech. They showed some clips of that on uh, online. I saw some of that. Um, yes, sounded great. Yeah, we had there was a, so we had like the ceremony over by the the founder suite um, and the uh, south side of the uh, the stadium, which you know we always have. I've been there for you know several of these uh, 
uh, inductions. Uh, it's always a, a great time, beautiful, you know, time to see people, um, you know, just come in and, and just give uh, the flowers to everybody that they deserve. And yeah. so, you know, it, it's always amazing, too, to see the stadium, uh, how much has changed. That's another thing. You know, we always talk about that, too. Like, man, look at this new part. Look at that new part over here. Uh, we just look at all the new things, man, the new toys that the guys got to play with. Uh, and, and, and deservingly so, man. Uh, but you know what was you know what was really cool, though? What was really cool is I had a chance to catch up with a lot of the fans, guys and stuff like that, that follow us on, on Twitter, YouTube, and follow our page, and just to kind of run into them and talk to them. I mean, and just kind of, you know, hug them up and like, oh, man, it's so good to see you. And so that was, yeah, that was really the cool part that, that I really, really enjoyed, uh, seeing some really good people kind of talking back and forth about, hey, man, when you get to the game, come see me. And I look, I love doing things like that. We're regular people. But we love seeing the fans and appreciation of it. Um, and it was kind of weird, like, when I was walking through, like, the corridor. Um, I guess when I get around regular people, if I'm not in the crowd, I don't quite understand how big I am. Mm-hmm. I walk into the crowd, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm, like, actually towering over everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. Everybody's turning and looking to see who I was, and you know, you Jason. I'm like, yeah. So, no, it was cool though. It was cool. When they show that, uh, I think on the Chiefs website, they showed the um, the picture from, I guess, when Dante uh, gave his speech to everybody. But you can see that this whole group of people. And then, like, I see my man in the middle, all the way in the back, <laughs> like, t- towering over everybody. And those are those are uh, professional athletes in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hey man, it's, a, it's some towers over there for sure. Yeah, skyscrapers, skyscrapers, skyscrapers. Yep, that gives you some perspective when you see, to see how big you are with that with everybody. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. So, JD, um, obviously, there's some stuff to get into to preview the Week Eight game against the Denver Broncos. Um, but there's, you know, we got McCall Harmon last week, and there's some stuff that kind of getting out there uh, as far as guys in the trading block. And I know some people just are done with hearing trades and stuff. But um, Traylon Burks, you commented on, on Twitter yesterday, but Traylon Burks is a guy that apparently Tennessee's fielding calls over right now. Yeah. Um, there's some other guys, Hollywood Brown's being talked about. But Traylon Burks is an interesting one because if you look at Brett Veach's history, he loves getting these first-round projects and kind of maybe guys may not be gems for some, but diamond in the rough, he can find them, maybe take them and kind of cater them and maybe they can be the guy that we thought they were going to be. I remember last year we were kind of questioning on should we draft him in the first round? You you weren't a big fan of uh, him kind of fitting with Kansas City back then, but now we're talking if he can be had for like a fourth or fifth round pick, would you be interested in a Traylon Burks? And there's also guys like Hollywood Browns out there, but he's scheduled to make 13 mil this year, so like maybe if Arizona fit, uh, fits the bill on that, then we gladly take him. But I think Traylon Burks would be a guy we could probably get for a, a fifth or fourth round pick. I mean, obviously I don't know what they're asking for, but what do you make of Traylon Burks in our offense and how would he fit? Uh, man, to be honest with you, you know, and, and I, I said this, my my opinion of him has not changed since last year. I mean, he's a big receiver. We know he's got big hands. That was a, his whole thing, his gimmick coming in. He could stress the defense. Uh, but as far as what we do scheme-wise, I just don't think he fits in, in our offense. Uh, and, and so when we're talking about skill set, uh, we know he's a big receiver uh, that can that can body things up. Uh, but our, our offense, and I've said this for the past few years, and I'm like, this offense is geared more for smaller, quicker receivers. It just is. Uh, and so you got to find yourself 
getting open in zone. You got to find yourself getting open in man. You know, we're not going to throw the big, you know, the jump ball um, up to a big receiver. We just we just don't have that. And so when you start looking over the years, we don't see a guy who's 6'3", you know, kind of doing those things here in with the Chiefs, 6'4", you know, other than unless your name is Travis Kelsey. So Traylon Burks, man, not to mention, man, he's 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 a project. We got enough project guys here. OK, we got enough guys on potential uh, and, and potential is what is what they say. Potential is, uh, uh, you know, kind of success not earned. That's what it is. That's what potential is. It's success not earned. And so he's 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 a project guy, man. He's a guy that you're going to put a lot of time in to try to get him to fit into this system, uh, which I don't believe that he is not geared for. Uh, but also, too, man, he's he's had injuries. He's had injuries. We've had we got guys who's got injuries history. So it would be more of the same. Uh, and it would just be a, a bigger headache to bring a guy like that in. Now, you talked about Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown makes a little bit more sense. It does. Like you said, if if, if they decide to eat a little bit more on that end, that's one thing. Hollywood Brown is a guy that we know can can definitely stretch the defense. He's a smaller guy that can get open, get guys, make guys miss. Uh, and so he makes a little bit more sense. I think he, he's somebody that could fit into this offense. Um, I hear that he's a hard worker. I think he they, they say he's very, uh, very smart. Um, you know, just kind of hearing from different circles about who he is. Say he's a good guy. Uh, so I think, and that's all too, I talked about culture-wise. Culture can a guy like that fit in here? Um, and he probably could. Uh, another name I, I brought up uh, is Curtis Samuels. Curtis Samuels is another guy that I, I think that I really like. He's been in uh, the system with the enemy. And I said that we need guys here that's kind of been in the system. So, okay, we look at the coaching tree of Andy Reid, right? So, you know, you got uh, Nagy, who's back here. You got the enemy, who's in Washington. Then you got Doug Peterson, who's down there in Jacksonville, right? And so when you talk about these guys, you will look for guys that's been in the same list system, has kind of the same terminology, the same concepts of what they're talking about of doing. Uh, so those guys make a lot more sense because they can make a transition faster and easier. Curtis Samuels is a guy I think has a lot of tools. He'll do a lot of different things, a lot of different things. I really like him. I know a lot of people ain't high on him. They haven't really talked about it. Uh, he's at the same price point like uh, MBS is. I mean, that's where his contract is about the same. And so production-wise, because you have Terry McLaurin and you have uh, 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 Dotson out there, it's a little bit tougher. It's a little crowded in a room trying to get the ball. There's one football going around. Curtis Sam is a guy that's got a lot of ability, a lot of ability. He's been hurt in the past, but hes I see him kind of getting better, developing, right? He just it was like one of those injuries you see. He came back, uh, but he's a very productive guy, very good receiver, strong hands, runs great routes. Uh, I like him a lot. I like his skill set a whole bunch. Uh, but, yeah, man, when we we talking about just different – guys in the wide receiver position. Uh, those are some of the names I like. Traylon Burks is not one of them. He'd be on the bottom of my list, to be honest. I've seen some people make the comparison of Burks, kind of body type. I mean, obviously, if you kind of put his, his, his measurables and everything he kind of did in college and stuff. Mm -hmm. And also, you could say that his play in the NFL may be kind of hindered by the offense that he's in. I mean, last year he had a – I mean, last year and this year, I mean, you got a combination of Ryan Tannehill, Malik Willis this year, Tannehill um, – it could be kind of limited by then. Also, Hopkins' numbers have taken a hit, also being in this offense this year with Tennessee. So, like, I mean, how much is it 
that the offense that he's in, as far as kind of his development, that's maybe hindering it. And you put him in an offense with Patrick Mahomes and um, Andy Reid. Well, I, someone made a comparison of kind of saying he's a similar body type, kind of a big body guy, like you know, like a he's, he's like a Debo kind of guy, you know, um, like kind of build wise. Mm-hmm. Do you see him? Someone said he's kind of like a, maybe a little shorter version of a guy like Rasheed Rice. Very similar. He's a guy who can get yak. I mean, he's the kind of guy who would kind of eat in the middle of the field with Rasheed Rice and Kelsey. And I've seen people say like putting him in a team with those two could actually be a beneficial thing for him and, and us just having another guy who can kind of eat up in the middle of the field. I, 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 I don't believe so. Like I said, he's going to be another project to me that, that just takes time. Um, is he not benefiting because of the, yeah, you got Ryan Tannehill, like you said, Malik Willis throwing the ball to him. Um, but you, you know, what I've seen in college. Okay. Uh, and, and as far as like, does he fit, like I said, still going back to the scheme that we do, uh, he doesn't necessarily fit what we do, right? It, it just he doesn't. So we have a guy like Rasheed Rice who can who can do that position. Uh, let him get the balls. Trying to bring a Traylon Burks, and then you know you you what you would usually what you do with offensive schemes. Okay, most schemes that you do is you try to find the pieces that actually fit into what you're doing. Okay, you don't you know the schemes around like okay we got these guys we gonna change up a whole scheme for these guys. It's just that's not how it works. Just not how it works. Um, you know, you, uh, it's almost like trying to put me in a, in a Porsche, you know, like one of the little bitty cars or, or one of those, uh, those little clown cars. Everybody, they, when I see big guys drive around, I'm like, why are you in that little car like that? Okay. <laughs> but we're not trying to, you know, fit, you know, offense into the guy. Okay. You got to get the guy into the offense. Uh, but I just really, I'm, I'm really not a fan of Traylon Burks. I'm not, he, he's to me. When you brought him up, I was like, actually, I was like, heck no. Uh, I'm not <laughs> no. Okay. And I, I look, he's a talented guy. He might be great for some teams, some different teams. I know there's a lot of schemes that he could play in that he will be successful. Okay. Definitely with a much better, more competent quarterback. Okay. I'm not a real, I'm not a Tannehill fan at, at all. At all. I would have rather had the other guy on the opposite end of it with, uh, DeAndre Hopkins trying to get him there, right? Yeah. But he wanted the bag. I get it. He wanted the bag. It's okay. I got no problem with that. DeAndre Hopkins, though, could have definitely helped us out. He's a guy who would have been able to fit into any scheme that you get him in, right? So uh, I heard it was, you know, a lot of things that I don't know. I don't know how true it is. Okay. I heard this. Okay. I'm not, I'm not saying it's true. I'm not gonna say it's from a chief inside guy, but I heard that the Chiefs almost had the deal done. Like it was this close. Yeah. And I think maybe the deciding factor, this is just me talking. This is gossip right now. Okay. So don't take this as word, of, you know, as gospel. Uh, but part of the problem was uh, he didn't want to practice. I find that hard to believe. He, he would just, he didn't want to practice like three days out of the week. Interesting. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know. I don't believe that. Uh, that's just me running my mouth right now. So. I- I mean, I, I read similar that the deal was close to being done, but then the OBJ contract came, and then he scrapped the deal that he had with Kansas City, and he was like, "No, like I, I, I want, I want more close to that territory." And that's when Veach was like, "Nah, we're not, we're not doing that." Nah, man, I think, I think, well, I don't know. You know, like I said, these things are reports, so I don't, I'm not really sure. Uh, so that probably had a lot to, something to do with it. But I think also too, because he realized that this is a championship team, he could take less. To win a championship, he's got plenty of money. He's got plenty of bread. He's earned all of that. So, 
Uh, I don't know, man. You know, like I said, it's, it's you know, fitting the, to the culture. He's a great guy. I know he mentors young dudes. Uh, but if he told me, like, hey, man, I, I you know, if you could cut me down to practicing a couple of times a week, coach. I'm like, I got you. Don't worry about it. Come out here for one-on-ones, dress up. I just want – you need to establish something for the young guys. So, But enough about him. You know, we talk about Traylon Burks. My thing is we're talking about wide receivers that would fit into this scheme. Uh, Burks just doesn't do it for me. He just doesn't. So you're more in the Hollywood Brown and Curtis Samuel camp. Hollywood Brown, uh, yes, Curtis Samuels. Somebody that is, a like I said, a smaller receiver that's still, you know, got some good size to him. Uh, may not cost a whole lot. Like you, there's no reason that you should just sell the farm for a guy. Yeah, I don't believe that. We we haven't we never done that. Heck, we wanted to do that. We had a guy that we had went down South Beach. Yeah, gonna do that thing, right? So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't I don't believe that. And here's the thing though, because everybody keeps talking about the wide receiver, we have been winning. We're winning. Yeah, we're six and one. When you start looking at the points and what they've been scoring and what they've been doing, you just got to give these times, these guys, times to put these things together, right? That's yeah. camp I'm in. I think McCole Hardman was the key for us. I said that. I said we needed a guy that we're familiar with, that can make moves, who can do all the things we asked him to do, and he's fits that bill. Somebody that we know. McCole Hardman to me opens up this offense the way that we needed to. Pat just needed another guy he needed to trust, okay, that other guys can learn a lot from. So it's one thing that you have, and, and I've said this, it's one thing to have a receiver uh, that is a veteran. It's another thing for a guy to be in the system for a long time. Somebody that Pat could talk to the guys, receivers, they may still not get it. Now they talk to McCall Harmon. McCall is like, listen, this, this is what he's talking about. When we talk about running this route, you got to settle in this, this, this area right here, okay? That's what Pat's looking for. So it's different than actually having a guy in the room. So McCall Harm has been in this system five years, and he's just like, "This is how this is how everything works. This is what we're doing right here, right?" Yeah. And so, to me, that gives you a wealth of uh, of knowledge, ingenuity as far as like changing things up, being creative when you're out there running. So now you got a guy who understands the offense like Kelsey, right? Remember, I told you this is a whole simulation of of having. You know, this Ph.D. in football, what Kelsey has, and then you're dealing with guys who's just getting in college trying to figure out what class to go to. So then you got a guy who's been here, right, who's been taking the classes, understands where to go, where all the classes are, what each professor is asking for you to do, okay, and he's helping them in that transition. So I know we keep going there back, talking about the number one wide receiver. Our offense is a, a, an offense that can make adjustments with the guys that we have. We have that. We got the number one quarterback, number one tight end, and we got some very capable wide receivers. When I look at it, McCole Hardman, uh, 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 Kadarius Tony, okay, Sky Moore, the young young buck Rasheed Rice, okay, and MVS showed up last game. We can start to get that production out of those five guys. I'm cool with it. I'm absolutely cool with it, and I and I can see where this this wide receiver core can go, and I believe. Toward the end of the season, somewhere around, you know, week 12 to 14 or 15, we're going to see these guys come to fruition of being a much different group of guys than what we see right now. Yeah. It's almost like the same growth that we see in the maturity. We watched the DBs grow last year, right? 
and all the woes. Why are we putting him out there? Oh my gosh, he's getting burnt. What is what is uh, uh, Spags doing? Well, he's helping these young guys grow. That's what he's doing. He's getting these guys prepared. And the only way you're going to be able to get prepared is putting these guys in the fire. That's the only way you do it, right? And it is trial and error. It's a lot of failure that comes with that. The failure part is happening now, but they learn it from it. That's what you do with a brilliant coach and brilliant players is you learn how to work and learn from failure. That's how it goes, man. It's football. Yeah. No, and I agree. I, I mean, I know the receiver thing is a big hot topic still because people still want – they people are still want a wide receiver one, and I think that we're going to hear about this stuff every every off season, every year during the trade deadline. We're going to hear about oh, possibly getting a wide receiver one. Not to say Traylon Brooks is supposed to be a wide receiver one, but I know Veach likes finding deals, and if he can get a guy who was a first round pick just a year ago for a fifth round pick, he may jump on that, regardless of fit, and maybe trying to see if it can it can work out here, just because we have Mahomes and Andy Reid. I don't know, um, but. Yeah, I just think people have to kind of get, come to terms with we're not the traditional offense anymore. We have wide receiver one. It's going to be a bunch of guys doing a couple catches here, a couple catches there every week. There's never going to be one guy um, outside of Travis Kelsey. So Yeah, and that's all right with me. You know why? Because uh, we're still scoring points. We're still getting yards. We still have the best coach in the business as far as offensive mind. Uh, we still got the best quarterback and tight end. We got great running backs, okay, who are eating right now. So that adds up a whole different element to getting the wide receivers open, right, with Pacheco and those guys. Yeah. Uh, so I'm fine with that, man. I, I just, you know, um, you know, what works for some teams don't necessarily have to work for us, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and so I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. I think a lot of the fans are too, man. Like like when Nicole Hardman ran that, that, that punt back, like the elation going through the stadium, like being there, seeing it and hearing it. And I was just, every time he said his name on the loudspeaker, I'm like, oh man, <laughs> this, this is beautiful. Welcome yeah. back. The kid is home. The kid is home. And it seemed right. And it is right. I love yeah. it. I love it. Hey, Chiefs fans, ready to turn heads and cheer on your team? Spoken Forest has got you covered with the trendiest Kansas City Chiefs apparel. Step out in style with our Chiefs-inspired hoodies and tees like this That's Who hoodie. Perfect for game days, tailgates, or just hanging out with friends. Imagine watching the game with your buddies, all rocking our awesome Chiefs gear. It's not just clothing, it's a statement, a celebration of your love for the game. Ladies, add a pop of color to your wardrobe with our Zeus tee. Perfect for showing your support while staying stylish. Because being a fan has never looked this good. Gentlemen, channel your inner champ with our Stone Cold Jones hoodie. Whether you're at the stadium or out on the town, this hoodie screams Chiefs pride and confidence. So why wait? Embrace your passion, wear it on your sleeve, or in this case, your chest. Visit SpokenForest.com and gear up for victory. Because when you look good, you feel good. Go Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, so, JD, that kind of leads into our uh, talking about the offense, continue to talk about. It. So, this past week, the, the Reds and offense looked like it was it was fine. Um, but we're facing the Broncos this week, week eight. And last time we played them, the story of the game was not being able to finish in the red zone, which has kind of been the story of the year outside of last year um, or last week. Uh, so, Chiefs are at a 57.14% down from 71.08% in the red zone from 2022. So, we're down. About 14 percentage points uh, from just a year ago, and I, I've also read that across the league, you're start you're start you're seeing that from a lot of the teams that were top 10 in, in the red zone percentage last year have gone down. But we are amongst the one of the top ones uh, going down 14 percent 
mm-hmm. um, in the red zone as far as success rate. But my question to you is, so we were pretty successful in the red zone this past weekend against the, the Chargers. I think we were like three of four or three of, uh, yeah, I think we were three of four on Sunday. But yeah. what did you see us do in the red zone against the Chargers that you like to see us continue against the Denver Broncos to kind of right the wrongs that you've seen so far this season? What did you see this past week that you kind of saw in the red zone? One thing that really stood out to me, I'm going to let you kind of answer this question, but I didn't see any gimmicky plays, J.D. I just saw us playing football. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that I think it was a lot more the, the, the selection of the plays that were being run. I think they were very strategic. Uh, I think, you know, some of the, some of the calls were brilliant. Uh, and one of the things I said you have to do is you got to run the football. So when you get down to the red zone, this is why defenses love it, is because now you're confined to an area, right? They don't have to cover the entire field. So now we get down in the box, 20, 10, 15 yards, it actually go to the defense, right? Because now all of a sudden, everything gets tighter. And so what you have to do is you got to make sure the defense covers every blade of grass on the field in the red zone. That's what you have to do as an offense. And so what I've seen was it was a lot of that motion. It was a lot of that deception. It was a lot of those things like, oh, here we're going to do this, but we're doing something else, right? A lot of window dressing. That's what you do with defenses. So you try to play with eyes. You try to play with scheme. You know, you try to play with matchups. And so we exploited that. Uh, Andy and, and, and Matt Nagy did a great job making the calls. That's the difference I saw. Not to mention the whole added piece from McCole Hartman, right? This is, this is, I'm going to just tell you what a whole, a whole week does with a, a guy that adds to your entire arsenal, okay? Because now all of a sudden it changes things, right? It changes things. Heck, we had our guy, man uh, – you know, the unfortunate for him going through what he's going through right there at this moment. I don't know. Uh, Justin Ross trying to throw something up to him. Uh, you know, that, that whole thing, man, is just is just crazy in itself. Uh, but I just I think that's what ends up happening. You try to open up as much as possible because everything gets tighter. The windows get tighter. Uh, you know, trying to run the football gets tighter, you know, gets a little bit tougher down there. Uh, and so what you have to do is. You got to take chances, man, but you can't be gimmicky. You can't just do those things, right? We ain't doing the whole, uh, what's that, the ring around the roses thing like that, right? Not, yeah, the snow globe. We, we're not quite there yet, okay? And we will get there. We're just not quite there yet. And so a lot of that is the trust. A lot of that is where you're not having the success that you, that you, you know, that you had in, in, in past. Uh, you got to establish that. And so this was a good week, especially against a Chargers team, which is very, uh, you know, tough team that we played uh, to to score points. That's what you want to be able to do, score points. And so when you go against Denver, you just got to keep that thing going. That That's that's what it is, you know. And you work with percentages on how many touchdowns you should score when you're in the red zone, right? Uh, and so uh, I got to have my man on here, Al Saunders, to talk. I seen him at the thing as well. And I was like, J.D., I would love to come on your show. So Amazing. I was going to just come in and just talk, you know, offensive philosophy, man. And just blow people's minds because when Al comes in, he'll start talking about it. When I'm telling you uh the professor is in, uh, you gotta hear him talk and speak about offenses uh and what it you know what it all entails. A successful offense, you know. We had it for years in Kansas City, man. We was leading the league, it was all out. So yeah, I'd, I'd love personally. I mean, obviously, I'd love to talk to outsiders. You know what? Maybe, maybe get some insight on what he thinks about uh, my five on five flag football plays, JD. I'm sure he'd, uh, I'm sure he cooked something up for me. I'm sure he'll have the 20 plays for you. You know, <laughs> in, with the five minute conversation, you have 20 plays. Easy, easy. 
JD, we talk about rhythm, especially for running backs, right? You know, like we said, like the beginning of the year, like we need to get uh, Pacheco going. You know, we need uh, running backs need more than eight carries. They need more than nine carries to kind of get a rhythm going. Mm-hmm. And we talk about rhythm and we talk about gimmicky plays. And we yeah. see some teams where they bring in, like, for example, like um, New Orleans Saints, where they bring in, like, Taysom Hill to come in and, like, do, do a play here or two when the offense is kind of humming, but all of a sudden you just put Taysom Hill in there it just kind of kills the whole, like, vibe. Yeah. Is, this same, is that kind of the same thing that happens like when we talk about getting rhythm for the running backs? Is the same thing that kind of happens for um, offenses when, like, Mahomes is kind of – we're kind of humming, and all of a sudden Tony's back there uh, taking a direct snap. Does that kind of kill, like – obviously it kills drives. It can, it can be a drive killer, but, like, does this kind of, kind of kill the whole rhythm of an offense? Uh, it, it will if it's not successful. Yeah. You know, so the thing is, you want to be a drive killer? All right, do something silly, okay, that gets everybody down. And I'm telling you, you know who to be the first one to tell you about yourself in, in, in that huddle, coming to the sideline? The linemen. The linemen, like, what the heck are we doing? What are we doing, right? Those guys, they don't, they don't, they, they don't mix words. They go straight up and they tell you exactly how they feel. They feel like it's a terrible call. They'll let you know, and they'll get on the sideline and they'll yell it out to the coaches. What the hell are we doing, right? Because they love running the football, and you start doing these little gimmicky things. Then, yeah, uh, I, I, it's got to be successful. And you're just running it. You got to keep the ball in the hands of the playmaker, right? The main guy is Patrick Mahomes. I want him touching the ball every single offensive snap, every single offensive snap. I do. So uh, that's just it. That's me, right? That's why we pay him the big bucks. That's why he's the face of the NFL. That's why he's the guy. That's why he's the, uh, 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 what are the Grim Reaper, okay? PM15, okay? Uh, Opt- Optimus PM, okay? Like Prime. So that's that's the reason, man. You want the ball in the, in, in the guy that can make the plays. Uh, but I'm, I'm, Look, we, we understand these guys are very creative. We know that. Uh, but if these plays don't work, man, it it, it absolutely just, just blows what an offense is trying to do. And Pacheco has warranted getting more more carries, trying to get into the rhythm. His last game was a little tough because he wasn't really getting a whole lot of yards. And so I know it gets a little frustrating. And so offense is like, well, we can't keep beating a dead horse if it's not working, right? Yeah. You try to force some things, but sometimes forcing those things doesn't necessarily work. But even just the threat of like we're going to run the football does something to the to the defense, which works. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like it was one of the, one of the worst games as far as yards per carry for Pacheco. Um, and I know people some people were upset where the amount of carries and touches that or not touches, but the amount of snaps the CH got in that game is just trying to provide different looks if something's not getting not not going. Sometimes you got to do that, man. You know, but like we got we got McKinnon too. Let that joke chest the ball, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of juice. Yes, sir. Um, okay, so our next topic, we're going to go to the other side of the ball here, um, is uh, Charles in charge. We're going to talk about our guy, Charles Amena, who uh-huh. who er- everyone was waiting for him to, co- to come and do his thing, and he looked great. Uh, the Chiefs recorded their uh, season high sacks in a game so far this year with five against the Chargers. We had four against Denver, so now we have five uh, in, that, in that game uh, this weekend. And honestly, you could say, no surprise, that it was Charles Amena, whose first game back were kind of uh, – you know, first game within the red and gold, we get five sacks. But uh, just talk about Charles Menhu a little bit. Charles Menhu, who against the Chargers, 19 pass rush snaps, four pressures, one sack, one pass deflection, which resulted in an interception and a 22.2% win rate against opposing blockers. JD, 
what did you make of the juice Charles Menhu provided to that already stout defensive front? Man, you said he had only 19 snaps? 19 pass uh, pass rush snaps. Pass rush snaps. Uh, man, he, he provides uh, a lot of energy. You're talking about juice? He, he levels us up on the defensive line significantly, significantly. And like I said, I was talking about it before on Monday that – you can see his athletic ability, his strength, uh, his body lean. Uh, certain guys just stand out to you when you watch him playing on the field. He's one of them. And he looks a lot different than guys that's been out there for us throughout the week. And you can tell he's a, he's he's an added piece. You can tell that he is another one of those arrows in your, in your quiver. You can tell that. You can tell those things. And so, uh, man, he he's – I think he's going to do amazing things here. Uh, also just kind of listening at his, his Twitter, man, he was so elated to be able to come play ecstatic to come out there and try to make sacks and make plays and just playing with those guys. So he's a guy that fits into the culture who wants to do well. Okay. Young guys will learn from him. Okay. They will learn from him. And so he just brings a whole different energy to that defensive line man that we needed we just we needed a guy like that and I, I was just i was so uh relieved to just see him out there on the field making plays and he's going to be making more plays for us throughout this game man he'll he'll get a sack this week against the broncos he'll get one i, I guarantee it um uh, so he he's he's on a, a cloud nine right now just to be able to come out and play okay so he, he's out of the whole confinement of just being for the six games He's just thanking God and praising for everything that he's getting, just the opportunity to be able to do it. So I'm here for all of it, man. I, I like Charles who I think that was one of our, our best acquisitions uh, during this offseason, if not the best acquisition for us this offseason, to be honest with you. Uh, and so he'll, 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 you, you'll see, man. He's going to make our defense that much better. Let me put it that way. Okay. He'll help free up Chris Jones. Okay. Because now Chris has another guy with a long dude who can play inside and outside. That's a good thing about his versatility too, right? So he kind of has like the body type like Chris. Not quite as big, but he's almost there. He's got a lot of that power. He's got a lot of that get off. He's got a lot of that speed and that craftiness that you need in a defensive end, defensive tackle when you need him to be. So, man, I, I'm, I'm here for every bit of Charles who out here playing. Every bit of it, man. He's enjoying himself. That was our highest uh, highest priced uh, offseason acquisition too. Um, this offseason, everyone else is on like a more or less a veteran veteran minimum type deal, one year, three million, and then he got two years. Um, I think with fourteen something. Um, uh, well, now we had uh, Jawan Taylor. That's that's right. That's totally for, <laughs> totally forgot. Hey, don't forget about that job. We making eighty million. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I totally that's, forgot about that. It's that's, that's eighty million over on the right. Okay. Yeah. So, that's a good point, JD. <laughs> play left tackle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Aaron Blow down here, uh, 211. JD didn't lie. Omena, who is like that. JD, talking about just uh, popping off at you, like just seeing Charles Omena, who on the other side of the ball, like, I mean, right away you can tell there's some, there's some added juice on that on that D line. Not that Carl Loft is, is nothing to, to, you know, to scoff at, but Charles Omena, who's, you can just tell. I mean, talk about, you know, the look. I mean, the, the look of him, he's just such a – I mean, he's a hes a beast. His body type. When, I, when you're looking at it, that's, that's what you covet for a defense man. That's what you look for. 
And, and you see it, man. He, he, you know, he, he looks good. That's what we used to say. Coach, man, that joker look good in his pants. Okay? That, that, that joker right there is official. And if he's not, he should be. But when you see him out there, he, his body type looks different from some of the guys we had. I'm just That's just what it is. He's a more mature. Maybe Felix will get there maybe one day. Okay? Yeah. Still growing. He's going to keep doing his thing, getting there, getting right. But without a doubt, Charles who when you sit there and you look at him, he is an NFL defensive end through and through. Ain't no question. You ain't got to ask a guy, what do you play? You don't have to ask him that. You'd be like, oh, I know you're a defensive end for somebody in the NFL. I know you are. Who you play for? Right? So, Is there anything, I mean, Payson, obviously he had limited snaps first game back in like six weeks. Is there anything you want to see more from him as we continue with the season? And is it out of this world to say he'll finish with maybe more than six sacks in regular season? Only needs five more to do that. Yeah, he'll 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 do that. I just want him to get out there and go play, man. Go have fun. Spags got a he's got a new toy to play with. So for Spags, man, this is Christmas for Spags. He's like, I've been waiting for his joker to get back. Thank you, thank you. So now he'll be a little bit more uh, creative. Can take chances, doing some things, pressures wise and whatnot. Charles Men, who's a, he's he's a guy that can actually when you do run the zone blitz, he can drop back in coverage. You don't have to worry about him getting lost, okay? He's athletic enough to do that. There's certain guys you see back here stumbling and like, oh, trying to find himself. Charles, he's athletic enough, man, He, he can, and sleek enough that he can do that and not get lost. So that that's another added bonus for Spaz. I know he likes doing that. Yeah. This is a change-up, though, you know, obviously quarterbacks off. Uh, but, yeah, man. Um, now, nah, I just want him to go out there and have fun. Go play, too. Go play. You know, with a guy like that, man, you just, just break the chains. Just break the chains. Uh, reminds me of that dude, uh, uh, what's that, on uh, uh, on 300? They had that big old monster that came in with the uh, – uh, have you seen the, the movie 300? Yeah, the, the, the first one? Yeah, yeah. Remember, yeah. they had the dude in the monster, had the chains on, and they broke it. He's like, yeah. that's That's what you have oh, to do. Oh, um, the Cyclops? Yeah, well, he he had two eyes, you know, but yeah, he actually became a cyclops because uh, uh what's his name it? Leonidas put uh, a spear in his eye. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. <laughs> Look at you, the Greek mythology over here, JD. I love it. Mm. <laughs> um, okay, so we're uh, going to our final topic here is game picks. The Chiefs are traveling to Denver this week, um, looking to continue to the undefeated streak that Patrick Mahomes has against them, and then also. A like 16 or 17 game win streak going back to the Alex Smith days. But the Chiefs are an eight point favorite at Denver, JD. Who do you have, JD? And what is your score? So I have uh right now, I have 35 to 17 Chiefs. Okay. Damn. 35 17. And I think uh because of uh a little bit more confidence in the room, uh Pat played a, a brilliant game last week. Brilliant game. Okay, uh, took his shots when he needed to, was very patient in his decision making. Uh, having another guy that understands what he's trying to do, um, absolutely revamped this offense. That's that's how I feel about it. So 35, 35 Burton is, is, is easy to me. Okay, we've been looking for a good game to score a lot of points, 35 17. If this is the team that got 70, you know, uh, hung up on them. We can get 35 in Denver. So 35-17 is the score uh, with the Chiefs. 
Um, and so the defense, defense is still going to, you know, holding, holding everybody under what, 21 points. Yeah. So come on, man. You know, they'll, they'll try to make a little, you know, last minute charge doing a couple of things and, you know, but it's just not going to be enough for them, man. We got, we got too much for them. We got too much. We got too much for the whole entire NFL. Uh, I know they was talking about uh, Michael Parsons talking about all these teams that have all of this and have all of that. And I'm like, okay, Michael, I, I understand you in the, in, in, the, in the NFC. I get that. You named those teams that was in the NFC. But you best believe that Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and his crew was up against you on the other side, you're going to be sweating some bullets, baby. Mm-hmm. Well, you know why? Because we got two tackles that will run straight at you. Just will will negate your passing, pass rush ability. Okay, but I, I think maybe he just made a, a snafu. I think he just made a mistake. Oh, the Chiefs is that okay? I you can say that if you want to. Everybody can keep keep sleeping. You want to sleep on the Chiefs? Keep sleeping. Okay, so yeah, ain't worried about none of that. He hasn't played against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs enough to know how petty the team is because they will they'll, they'll keep that uh. That little uh, screenshot of his uh, on his podcast, and they'll, they'll, they'll hold it in the, in the locker room, hoping they don't play us in the Super Bowl because they're gonna they're gonna be touting that thing all all all, all over all of those two weeks before the Super Bowl. So, man, them jokers ain't making it to the Super Bowl, man. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, on the side, they, they ain't gonna make it. I know. And, and, and I love how he's coming out with this just a week after they narrowly beat the Chargers, and then and, and we took care of business pretty handedly against the uh, the, the Chargers, and I don't Fair. know. I, I don't yeah. understand. Yes, without a doubt, without a doubt. But that's all right. You know, it's just his opinion. That's cool. Ain't nothing wrong with it. No. We'll ride with it, baby. Be all right with that. Okay. Yeah. We have no concerns. Zero. None. Eight concerns. Eight nine right here. We have no concerns whatsoever with anything else, baby. Okay. <laughs> that's what it is. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, guys. Well, that does it for us. Thanks for tuning in to Chief Concerns. We'll see you guys on Friday on our YouTube channel. We'll be doing uh, our betting show, and you guys can come on and see the best uh, picks for our same-game parlay. And then, of course, we'll have our post-game show Sunday after the game, and we'll be back here on Monday on the Bleacher Report app, guys. So uh, definitely come in, on find us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you can get your podcast. Appreciate everybody coming in. Come visit it, man. You know, keep giving us all your, your, your comments. Come talk to us. We love engaging with everybody. So, hey, man, until next time. Love you. Love you guys. Love you, brother. See you, buddy. Love you, man. Hi, everybody. Thanks for watching. Subscribe here to get the latest from the show. Also, be sure to check out the best clips from Chief Concerns. And if you prefer to listen to the show, subscribe and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.